Hello and welcome to the Writing Your Best Self podcast with me, Georgina Elmashady. Journaling is an incredible self-improvement practice that will help you cultivate the introspection and self-awareness you need to become your best self. Each week, we explore tried and tested techniques along with journaling prompts to help you dig deeper into yourself so you can leverage the wisdom within to achieve your biggest goals and create your best life. Let's get writing. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Writing Your Best Self podcast. And I'm so excited about this episode because this week I'm interviewing the incredible Heather Vickery. Now, Heather is an award-winning success and leadership coach. She's an entrepreneur, she's a speaker, she's an author, and she's also the host of the Awesome Brave Files podcast, where she interviews people from all walks of life to discover their brave stories. Now, what I love most about this episode is Heather took us on this beautiful journey where we explored what it takes to be brave, how we can step into a fuller version of ourselves, how we can leverage commitment to become more courageous, and also how something as simple as a gratitude practice can really empower you to write your way to your best self and be the bravest version of you. So, Without further ado, I'm going to hand you over to the podcast. I'm going to dive straight into the very first question. I encourage you to sit back, enjoy and soak up the wisdom because I promise by the end of this episode, you're going to know how to be that much braver. Cool. So Heather, what I'd like to, I'd like to start by exploring this idea about bravery and courage because I know that's that's a big part of your work so can can you just explore a little bit further about what does actually mean to be brave yes I'm so glad that you asked that question that bravery is the root of all of my work and even all of my life my my personal um life the thing is people used to think of bravery as um you know climbing a mountain or being really really physically strong uh but the fact of the matter is there are a million different ways each and every day to make brave decisions. So what that means is um, doing something despite not knowing the outcome, despite fear. And so what I like to help folks do is really look at what they're afraid of and name it. We often don't even, we, what we think we're afraid of isn't really what we're afraid of. And so to break it down and understand it better and then leverage that information, leverage that fear into intentional, small, brave steps. Because what we know for sure is that when we choose bravely with intention, we make bigger choices that have bigger payoffs. And that's actually contagious to everyone around us. Folks see us do it and they're inspired to do it. That's what my podcast is about. My coaching, I teach the BRAVE method. So I've used BRAVE as an acronym to help people dissect their information and their fear to better understand it. The more we know, the less scary the thing we're afraid of is, but it doesn't mean that that fear goes away. Mm -hmm. And fear is a natural human emotion. I am not a big fan of the whole um, wash your face and get over it and, you know, just suck it up phase. I really think we need to understand what we're feeling. We need to honor what we're feeling and use that to inform 
our choices. Um, and that's brave. That's really, really brave work. And it's showing up honestly and authentically every day. It's setting boundaries. It's asking for what you want. It's defending what you believe in. It's holding your own self accountable, right? There are so many different ways. And when you do that, your life will shift in drastic, dramatic, wonderful ways. Well, I, I love that definition. <laughs> you say there is, it's, it's about developing almost like a relationship with fear. Yes. Relationship, you uncover bravery. And, and I love you talking there as well about how this kind of traditional sense of bravery is almost this masculine strength, like strong, push for it, push for it. So why is it, do you think that, why do we fall into the trap of believing that is what it takes to be brave? <laughs> maybe the softer examples you just gave which like, I really feel I really resonate with those yeah I mean I think we fall into it because for better or for worse we live in a very patriarchal society um, that rewards people who don't hurt and don't ask for help and never complain and you know all of these very toxic traditionally masculine things most definitely every gender in the spectrum feels those things but somehow we associate that with maleness Mm -hmm. um, for better or for worse and we certainly have grown a lot in the last many years I don't know a person who doesn't think you know a stay-at-home mom is strong right because it's hard to do that um we've redefined it but yet somehow there's so much shame attached to it and it's incredibly brave to release the shame and just own your truth and step up authentically and vulnerably into the life that you want because when we sit with shame and we sit with fear that keeps us down we live very small and the world wants you to live bigger you're here for bigger things doesn't it doesn't matter what that bigger is. It doesn't have to be climbing mountains. It doesn't have to be starting new businesses. It doesn't have to be anything. It could just be showing up and loving the people around you and um, having a presence in your community. Can You get to define it, which is what I love about this work. You get to define what brave means for you. No one gets to tell you what that is. Oh, I love that. I love that personal ownership angle there about like, you get to make the definition and I also love the fact that it feels like your work is this expansion of what bravery means, but also like challenging that status quo and the social convention yeah. about like the stereotypical definitions of bravery and putting us in a place where we can really step into what brave means to us. So Absolutely. Can you talk me through some examples of how, how do you encourage your, your clients and in your work to define what bravery means to them? Yes. So the the BRAVE method, which is my coaching method and the, what I speak and train on, BRAVE stands for boundaries, reassessment, reframing, resilience, action, accountability, vulnerability, and empowerment. So if you go through the first four letters, you end at, at the E, at empowerment, right? Um, so how are each of those things BRAVE? Well, boundaries are my favorite. The, the dictionary defines boundaries as limits that define acceptable behavior. The brave method defines boundaries as limits that you decide are acceptable. So you get to decide what the acceptable behavior is um, and other folks will do the same, right? And when you have really strong boundaries that you communicate well with other folks, those, for example, um, I don't take work calls after 5 p.m. My voicemail says, if you've called after 5 p.m., I'll get back to you the next business day. 
right? And that doesn't mean folks won't call me after 5 p.m., but it gives me permission to not feel bad about not answering the phone or returning their voicemail, right? So mm-hmm. I've set my boundary. They've worked in whatever works for them, and it, everybody understands what to expect. Um, so asking for what you want, setting boundaries, c- clearly communicating is is brave as brave can come. People have a really hard time, um, A, identifying what they actually want, and then B, asking for it and following through to keep it. The R is my favorite letter in the Brave Method, though, reassessment, reframing, and resilience. Uh, What's brave about that is that when you set regular reassessment, and I encourage folks to reassess daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually, and obviously the level of reassessment will change based on where you are in that path, but daily it can it is often journaling or listing your gratitude or what did this day go the way I wanted? What do I want tomorrow to look like? Right? So you, you're present in all of the things you're doing in your life and in your business and you can shift it. So that's what the, that's what the second R is about. That's um, reframing. If it's not serving you, if it's not getting you where you want to go, if it doesn't feel good, right, then change it. And the resilience part, um, so I'm certified in positive psychology and, you know, grit and resilience are the number one key indicators of some, somebody's success. And so resilience is if it doesn't go well, what the hell do you do? How, how do you, how do you shift it? How do you make it work for you? How do you get back up? Right. And so all of the other letters fall into that action, being, being in action, doing the thing, not being paralyzed by the fear. Um, and I, I love accountability. I am a big, big fan of accountability. I, it's very difficult to hold ourselves fully accountable. If you have a team, you're accountable to them. They're accountable to you. But I have accountability partners in all sorts of different ways. Um, and sometimes they're gratitude accountability partners. Sometimes they check us on whether or not we're journaling. Sometimes they're like, okay, what's your big thing? So we, some, we meet weekly, some we meet quarterly, um, delegating as a part of that it's huge 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 and it's all so brave and then all of that is vulnerable right um i'm sure everyone is familiar with Brene brown's work um but the the concept of being vulnerable which i often then will phrase into authentic it's just a bit of a buzzword right now but it's a really good word when you step up into your life as the truest version of you. And um, I have been through that transformation in a really big way in, in my life. Everything shifts. People behave differently because your walls are down. Folks can tell when you're not being honest and authentic and they put their walls up and they cover, you know, they're scared and you're scared and there's no honest engagement. There's no honest conversation. There's no stretching of yourself. So when you're ready to shift that, you implement something like the brave method or journaling or keeping a gratitude journal, which I know we're going to talk about. Um, We cannot change anyone but ourselves. But when we change ourselves, we change the people around us. It it happens. I'd I'd love to dive in a bit more about that because when you change yourself, the people around you change. So why why do you think that is? Uh, I, I know it is. And I know it is because I've seen it happen time and time again. Um, and I can, can go back to all of the different methods. But, you know, think about something as simple as when you wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. If you are in a good mood and you approach the people around you chipper, uh, usually that interaction is pleasant. But if you're in a bad mood and you're cranky and you snap at people, right, people, their defenses go up and it, it causes problems. If 
you change the way you organize your day and you're delivering more efficiently and effectively and your customers are happier because of that and your team is happier because of that, right? That ebbs and flows. It goes both ways. Um, A gratitude practice. So as I mentioned, I'm certified in positive psychology. Having a regular gratitude practice is the number one thing that will increase your happiness and your overall well-being. And I can promise you, I do not think it, I know it because it is scientific fact. If you keep a gratitude journal, listing three to five things that you're grateful for for that day and why you're grateful for them so that then you can replicate that, right? That's the whole point. And you do that for three weeks, you will be happier. Now you could get an MRI that would scientifically show you that. They will MRI your brain at the start. And, and Martin Seligman, the, grand, the godfather of positive psychology that has lots of books on this. It's a really, really interesting study. Um, and you can MRI it later and you can literally see the color change, the happiness change. So if you're happier, the people around you are happier and they don't know why. If you're braver, the people around you are braver and they don't know why, but it, energy is infectious in either direction. I, I love that. There's so much to unpack here. What I'm getting a real sense of is that bravery, gratitude, all these things, it all starts, I think you were saying it all starts with you. Like, Oh, yeah. You, like, you have to make the choice. You yeah. Away, and then everything else kind of starts to, which, which, is a, which is a really empowering thing to hear because that means you have control over your life. Yes. Yeah. Some folks feel that way. Most folks feel that way. Like, oh, I can actually ship this. And for some folks, it's terrifying because we've, lived in a world for so long where we don't trust ourselves to make decisions or we've been told that um, we're not smart enough or we're not valuable enough. And it's hard to learn that you are. If you are listening to this and for any reason you think that you don't know enough, you're not smart enough, no one wants to hear what you have to say, all of those things, those things are not true. And it does start with you and you do have the power and you can start really small. Something as seemingly simple as a daily gratitude practice will absolutely change your life. And I challenge you to um, try it and then ask the folks around you. I have a client, a corporate client actually, um, who started doing a gratitude practice. And the other thing he started doing, which is so brave, is actually scheduling his time because he was working. He works for a big corporation. He was working you know, 12 hours a day. And he's like, no, I'm going to have a schedule. I'm going to start at eight and I'm going to stop at six and I'm going to have lunch in the middle. And a couple of weeks later, his friends were like, I don't know what's going on with you, but you just, you seem so much happier and so much more energetic and your quality of work has gone up, right? Like these things matter and they don't have to be big, huge, enormous changes, just little ones. Trust yourself enough to just try little intentional changes and see what happens. So I'm hearing there that maybe is like an example of setting a boundary where this corporate client. Oh yeah. <laughs> what for the acceptable behavior, as you mentioned earlier. So does bravery often start with boundaries? So is that often the place where people start for transformation? Very, very often. And so the way I have folks, I actually have a, a boundaries blueprint. I'd be happy to share with anybody who's listening if they'd like to have a copy. Um, it's identifying. I always say, where, where does it hurt? Where is it really painful or uncomfortable or where are you feeling the most anger or frustration? And you list those things out. And if you really sit with them, so again, this is where the the reflection, the reframing piece comes in. If you really sit with that, 
you can, I promise, identify one thing that you could do differently to change these situations uh, because we can't change other people. We can only change ourselves, right? So uh, in this particular client situation, you know, if you work all the time, you work all the time. But it doesn't mean you can't get your work done in a more scheduled time frame. And he proved to himself that he could by so doing that. So you look at what's making you unhappy, uncomfortable, and painful. And you decide, well, let me change this thing. Let me make this phone call. Let me have this conversation. Let me try time blocking. Let me try a gratitude journal. Let me try walking every morning or 15-minute meditation or journaling, right? There are so many different ways to create boundaries for yourselves and, and put systems in place to create change. And I'm getting a sense here that those boundaries and making those small decisions, it feels like it's giving yourself the permission to put yourself first. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's self-love piece in this as well. Huge self-love. And not just self-love. I like to refer to it as Mm self-trust and self-compassion. It's not just enough to love yourself. You have to trust yourself to try new things, to do it differently than you've always been told it's supposed to be done. And you have to be gentle. You have to be compassionate with yourself. These things do not happen overnight. None of them do. While we may start to feel instantly different, I would, I would say from the work I've done and the research I've done, anybody who's feeling super anxious or stressed, if you stop and list five to 10 things you're grateful for right in this moment, you'll feel, feel an energy shift. But the rest of it, it just takes a while. Like I said, my, the, my whole platform is small, intentional baby steps, and they add up. Big things don't happen in big steps. Big things happen in small, well-thought-out baby steps. But yes, yeah, so much self-love, compassion, trust, so much. It can be really hard to say these baby steps, I feel, because when you get in your head like you want a transformation, you want to change. <laughs> Like you want to be that that endpoint, that place you think, oh, it's all going to be perfect over there, and sometimes yes. a significant gap. But there's one. almost always a gap. I would say that I, I every day I have a conversation with a client. I'm like, hold on, hold on, you just went from A to X really quickly, and now you're in overwhelm, and you can feel it. Your head is spiraling, and you're like, this is too much. I can't do it. It's too hard. I'm like, hold on, hold on. What's the very first thing that you can do to get you towards this? this goal that you've set. Oh, well, I could do this research. I could have this phone call, right? And they go, okay, what's the next step? And then we create a plan. So I I call that um, vision to action. Start with what you want big picture and break it down into three individual goals that once checked off will get you to your vision. And under each goal, we have a list of tasks. And then you just start doing those little tasks. The other thing that being that intentional does is it gives you a huge sense of control. And for most of us, when we are feeling our worst, it is because we feel like we have no control over anything. Um, And the very first thing you can do is slow down, assess it, break it down. And when you do that, you will, you will be more empowered. You will have more control. So that's, that's an element as well about helping you to create that self-trust and self-compassion, like feeling in control. What 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 other methods can people use to because I feel that I feel that's an area where a lot of people struggle is actually trusting yourself or having that compassion or a love for yourself to create that life that you really want. Yeah, you can prove it. It's this. I love that question. So um, I do a lot of work with people who have a whole list of limiting voices, and we all do. I have them too. I just move through them quicker than anybody else does. Um, 
And what I encourage folks to do is list out all those pesky voices that really slow you down or shut you up or make you feel small and try an exercise that's going to sound outrageous, which is write down the opposite of 360. So the one, and it, and it cracks me up. I'm a single mom of four. I have two businesses. I am the executive producer and host of a podcast. I've written two books. I'm in the middle of writing two new books. But the voice in my head that just won't shut up is, God, you don't work hard enough. Because I, well, my business, I work from home. So every moment that I am enacting my boundaries, I'm taking self-rest and care. My, my little monkey brain is like, you're not working. Why are you not working? You should be working. The reason you don't have everything you want is because you don't work hard enough, right? So t- I take that, and this is what I would urge all of you to do. What is the polar opposite of that? Well, the polar opposite of that is I do work hard enough. Okay. So if the polar opposite of the limiting voice is that I do work hard enough, how can I prove that? Well, I have a full roster of clients. All of my bills are paid. I'm not in debt. I keep my kids in their private school. New clients come on every couple of months, right? I can list all of these ways. My books sell. I've been invited to be a guest on this wonderful podcast, right? I can prove through my actions that the opposite of the negative story is the truth. And that's what you can do. You can find your own evidence if if you sit down and you get real with yourself. If you really assess it and you can do all of this through journaling, should you choose to do so, right? Um, If you give yourself enough respect to do that, you can find evidence in your life, even if it's hard to prove all of those voices wrong. I'm going to take a breath there because that is an epic exercise. I can just see how that can be so powerful because we often allow that kind of negative voice to the pilot and repeat (laughs) and often it goes unchallenged because it's like this code in you that it's just automatically runs but yeah. you can bring logic in and you're right and like find evidence and put, when that evidence is written down in front of you it can be much harder to then disprove yeah. that's what it's like accepting it and yeah. I think sometimes that acceptance process of damn like maybe this voice <laughs> is, is, isn't isn't telling me the truth maybe it's lying to me and how how can you how would you encourage somebody who then doesn't believe the evidence Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a process. It takes some work. Um, As a coach, I work with folks through that regularly. And I would say, so I kind of partner very, as you've just identified, very analytic approaches to very meta work, very universal mindset work. We are rewiring the way you process and the way you think. But I can tell you this, our brains neurologically cannot hold negative and positive thoughts at the same time. So what that means is if you have systems and practices in place to push the negative thoughts aside, and again, I don't want you to just like pretend they don't exist. I want you to dissect them and and use them either as fuel or say they're stupid and shut them down, right? One way or the other. Um, you don't actually even have to believe me. And that's what I tell clients literally every day. Do this exercise. You don't have to even think it's going to work. And with gratitude, you don't have to believe that this will make you happier. Do it anyway. And just keep doing it every day. So with the limiting voices and the turnarounds, I urge you to create something that um, I affectionately call a truth list, right? And look at it. 
So when you journal or when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed at night or before you have a difficult conversation or before you work on a big client's project, read your truth list. You don't even have to believe it will work, but it will. Just read it because it's your truth, right? You, you haven't you haven't assessed yourself to somebody else's success. You've used your own evidence. Whether or not you think they make you worthy, you can't deny that they're yours and they're real. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my mind's a bit blown now. I'm just thinking of this concept you said about how you can't hold a negative and a positive thought at the same time. And I hear what you're saying here is actually you get to choose which thought you're going to focus on. And so playing the truth list forces you almost to focus on the positive. And we all know how differently things can look when you have that positive lens, like, just everything looks different. Everything feels more possible. Absolutely. That is just a genius tool. Myself, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to dive into that. Thank I you. love that. <laughs> That's just amazing. Um, so maybe we can dive into some more examples of like some of these written tools. What are some other written tools that people can use to like really embrace that bravery and and use these small steps to gradually expand your comfort zone because I'm, I'm thinking that sometimes you can you can jump out of the plane and do the parachute jump and and do the big things but often the the, the actions that are going to change your life on a more of a permanent basis do mm-hmm. require a more gradual expansion because otherwise you might get the big opportunity and then fall flat on your face because you can't handle it a hundred percent yeah so as again i, I really partner proven analytic systems with all of this very cerebral, (laughs) emotional work, Uh, something as simple as uh, scheduling out your day, which I've had client after client say, oh no, that's going to limit me. It's going to make me feel stuck. I'm not going to be able to, to be adventurous or creative. And then they do it and they're like, I have so much more time in my day. I have so much more time to be creative and adventurous. So something as simple as scheduling out and here's where this gets fun. I always want folks to schedule meals, exercise, journaling, time for play, right? I don't want you to just schedule your work stuff. Schedule time for all of it. And all of the systems that I recommend have to come with flexibility because shit happens. It comes up and it is, it'll throw you for a loop. I'm telling you, if if COVID taught us anything, it taught us that we have to be able to pivot and recreate and try and be patient and be flexible. So scheduling, but with movement. So let's just say that you scheduled to, let's say you're an author, you scheduled to write for an hour in the morning, but you had a kid who was up sick all night and you couldn't get up. Where the trick is here is instead of just going, well, now I'm not going to write today, is put it on your calendar for a different intentional time. When I'm working with clients, every second. So what's your commitment to that? And I use the word commitment instead of a goal because a goal to me is a thing you kind of want to maybe towards work towards. A commitment is a thing you're doing. You've said you're going to do it. So if you've said you're going to do it, let's be intentional about it. What day are you going to do it? What time are you going to do it? Right? And then put it in your calendar. All of these intentional baby steps, how much more likely is it to happen if you've done those things versus if you've just said, "Well, tomorrow I'm going to write." What does that mean? You're probably not. You know what I mean? Unless you're super well-disciplined. So scheduling is huge. Um, 
deciding something that you want to create change on and challenging yourself. Something as simple as a, you know, a 30-day habits checklist. So for example, I have one client who refuses to drink water. This is as ridiculous as that sounds. Like if you don't drink the water, you're going to die. You have to drink the water. So we've identified how much she thinks she can do. And now she has a checklist, 30 days. Every time she clicks off, she's had her 60 ounces of water. She gets to put a sticker on and that feels very rewarding and fulfilling. You're building habits, right? Um, tolerations are something that I think are really fun and empowering. Uh, listing out all of the little piddly things that you're tolerating, dirty dishes, laundry, unhead conversations, um, the list goes on a messy desk, the list goes on and on and on uh, and start tackling them. Put them on your commitment list. Start taking rid of the tolerations, getting rid of them so that you have more freedom and more flexibility in your day. Uh, gosh, there are <laughs> a lot. I feel like I'm... Um, and really sitting with those arts, sitting in the reassessment phase, building that in. So when I said I, I encourage reassessment daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually, daily, it really is checking in with yourself looking at what went well today and why and looking at what didn't, but words matter so much to me that how many of you have heard of, um, Oh, we'll go through our day and we do our wins and losses. Have you heard that one, Georgina? Familiar yeah. with that? Yeah. Uh, try instead saying what were my wins and lessons? Losses feel bad. Lessons feel good. Same thing. Right. Yeah. So how do you reframe it in a way that the words feel good? I'm very conscious of that in my house. We're very conscious that my partner and I will call each other out very quickly. How could you say that differently? <laughs> um, is that really what you meant? Because words matter. It makes you feel a certain way. So that's a really great system. It's not a written system, but it's a really great thing to catch yourself on. Um, weekly, I always urge people to have kind of an overarching intention for the week. What is it that you want to do this week? And how are you setting yourself up for success to do that? Uh, when we look at monthly, that's those weekly goals that add up again, baby steps, baby steps to what you want to accomplish for the month, which leads into what are your quarterly goals, which lead into what are your annual goals? So those are goals to get there. You need to make commitments. So I'm hearing the commitment piece very short. over and over. <laughs> yeah. My, I, I've, uh, I do a corporate program called the empowerment program where we teach leadership from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of my empowerment uh, attendees said, I feel like I've made a lot of commitments in the last three months. And I'm like, yes, yes, you have. That's the whole point. <laughs> Lots of commitments. And it's, it feels as well that that commitment piece ties back into developing the self-trust because if you stay committed, then you get to be able to trust yourself that you're going to follow through and do the things you said you were going to do. Absolutely. And that's why I want those commitments to be small, attainable goals. Big, again, I said this before, big things don't happen in big steps. They happen in little steps. Don't set yourself up for failure. When we make a list of commitments and then we don't follow through, we feel terrible. That's not going to get you anywhere. So make commitments that you can follow through with. Now, that doesn't mean that maybe they shouldn't stretch you a little, but that they are reasonable to get done. Don't say something like, uh, you know, I'm going to write for six hours today if you also have client work and kids remote learning at home like that's never going to happen right so be realistic about your situation yes it feels like the bra it's, it's braver to take small steps that you commit to and do consistently rather than saying oh tomorrow i'm going to go and do this big thing and then yep. and you never actually get around to doing it and then i think the cycle of how that the kind of person that turns you into the two very different paths 
So the very different paths. Feels, yeah. feels like the, the right ones choose. And it is braver to do it that way because we think big, usually, most folks do. We think big things and we think we have to take gigantic action to achieve these big things. And so to slow down and be really intentional about it is hard for most people. It is hard. So it's very brave to do that for yourself. And the outcome is tremendous. And you've mentioned the word intentional quite, quite mm. a lot. I'd love to dive into mm. what does that mean? What, what does that word mean for you? Yeah, it means you should know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, I'll tell you one of my very favorite stories. A couple of years ago, I had the absolute honor and privilege of being in a room where Oprah Winfrey was the keynote speaker. Oh, wow. Now, yeah, right? It was pretty great. The, uh, Barack Obama was the other keynote speaker. It was a great week. Um, and Oprah told this big, long story about, um, it's kind of complicated, but this big, long story about the first time she had the KKK on her talk show. And she thought, I'm going to have them come in and I'm going to expose them for who they are. And, you know, we're going to just annihilate them. And she realized very quickly that they were using her, that they were manipulating the conversation. And she said, I decided right then that I would never have a show again where I did not know what the intentions were for the people who were coming on my show. And I went down a path of intention. She said, from now on, everything I do will have intention. She said, from what I eat to what I wear, to where I travel, to where I live, to who I interview, everything I do, I will know why I'm doing it. She said, you may think that I have the privilege of being intentional because I'm Oprah. But I'm here to tell you I'm Oprah because I chose to be intentional. So what that means is know why. Don't just go through your life in the passenger side. Don't just be rote. Don't just do things because they're habit. Know why you're doing all the things you're doing. Even if you're not following through on a commitment, know why. What are you picking instead? You're always saying yes to something. Saying no to one thing means you're saying yes to something else. You're always saying yes to something. What are you saying yes to? I'd love to know how you can uncover this intentional living, this intentional, this intentional stuff in, in your journal. How, how does that happen? Absolutely. Well, so that is exactly, if you do all of the other things we've talked about in this interview, you are being intentional. Um, and so from a journaling standpoint, I would think, uh, well, I urge gratitude journaling because it's really life-changing. So if you will list the three to five things you're grateful for. And again, why that's being very intentional. You can, what you realize when you do that, A is that there's a way more joy than you give yourself credit for, that you're way stronger than you give yourself credit for, that you have people who love you, you have community, right? And it, it just wins over the things that feel bad. Um, but you can journal in, in all the forms, free form journal, bullet journal, uh, if you want to have a word prompt or if you want to just free journal, I used to love to do that in school. Be like, okay, just take the time and, and journal. And now I like a prompt, but journal on something you want to create change on. Look at your tolerations list. Look at your limiting voices list. Why do I feel this way? What is this? Right? So just really breaking down what you're doing in a thoughtful way and understanding what's happening in your life and your business and how you are moving from one thing to the next. I love that. 
I'd love to dive more into the gratitude journaling piece now. So yeah. Why do you think people, because you've already talked about some of the benefits from journaling, why do we have so much resistance to mm. a journaling practice? Well, we're really busy people. <laughs> we, we love to be busy. We love to say we're busy. Who has time for that, right? Uh, you have time. In fact, you don't have time to not make time because it's really a dangerous thing to not make time for yourself. And having gratitude is incredible. I think people don't do it because they don't understand why it matters. Or maybe, you know, I have a coach. I don't believe you should sell something you're not willing to buy. And I love my coach and we've worked together for many years. And he would say to me, well, what's the payoff for not doing something that you know will make you better? And in a lot of cases, the payoff is um, get to be right. I told you I couldn't do it. I told you it was too hard. I told you I'm not smart enough. Right? So think about when you don't follow through with your commitments, when you don't follow through with your intentions and your actions, what's the payoff? But then you have to think about what's the cost. What are you giving up? I love that. And that idea about you can prove yourself right. Isn't that interesting? Because that does actually take us back to the bravery piece again, but yep. never brave in the first place. I knew I couldn't do it. And <laughs> how, how, so how can gratitude help you move beyond that? Like almost trying to, wanting to prove yourself right, because then that keeps you where you are, which I guess is, is the safe place to be. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're, <laughs> gratitude is funny. So when folks start to do gratitude, they'll do really big things. They'll say, I'm grateful for my family and I'm grateful for my kids and I'm grateful for my house and my job. And then I, and that's fine. You can do that for a little while. Um, two challenges. One is for the first three weeks, don't repeat anything and see where that puts you. Okay. Cause you can't say the same things every day. It doesn't work if you do that. And then I, what I often take clients through is take the first thing. I'm grateful for my family. What about your family are you grateful for? Take, if you've used really big items, mm-hmm. break those down. You see, I'm consistent into small, intentional thoughts. I'm grateful for morning snuggles with my seven-year-old. I'm grateful that my 10-year-old loves to bake and it always smells great in the house. I'm grateful that um, we can forgive each other when, when we fight, when we cause harm. I'm grateful for movie nights, right? You can be really intentional. And what that does, again, is show you that it doesn't all suck. And there's more good than there is bad. And my journal that I've I've written two gratitude journals, one is called Shift Your Focus, it's for adults. And one is called Grow Grateful, and it's for kids and families, is guided because I find a lot of people really struggle with a blank journal. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, that they do. So it says, you know, what are you grateful for today? And why? How did you express gratitude towards others today? So it's really important to take it out of just you. So there's a difference in feeling grat- or feeling grateful and expressing gratitude. How did you make it bigger than you? Um, what were your wins today? High fives or wins? Because that's different than, than what you're grateful for in many cases. Um, I'm grateful to be in this conversation with you, if somebody hears this and reaches out and says, I want to know more, um, that's a win. I'm grateful for that too, but that's a win from the thing you're grateful for. And then I have 180 unique prompts in both of my journals. Um, so it's a 60, it's a six month journal and I don't have one in front of me right now. Usually I'll pull one out and be like this, but what one says, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? What teacher 
from your past are you most grateful for? What holiday food are you most grateful for, right? To make you think about things in ways that you never would before so that you can start to recognize gratitude in every scenario. Um, and it's a lot of fun. When you get into it, it's a lot of fun and it feels great. And you, you get so comfortable with reframing your day and your mindset that you start to crave it. So it's not just about like a practice of writing things down. Actually, what I'm hearing you say is like gratitude is going to totally change the way you look at the world because yes, you start to notice things that you would probably have just overlooked or took for granted or didn't really appreciate. But by almost lowering the bar in the sense of focusing on those those smaller things, because that's where life actually happens, right? Life actually absolutely moments, not always. Yeah, when I find myself really like stressed or like banging my head against the wall on something or stuck in the middle of a, of a difficult project, I will take a couple of deep breaths and then find five things around me that I can see, touch, taste, smell, hear, or feel. I already said touch, so there you go, <laughs> that I'm grateful for. And so right now I'm grateful. Um, y'all cannot see me, but the sun is streaming in from the window and it feels hot on my back. And I actually love that. It feels grounding for me. Um, I'm grateful for technology that is allowing me to have this conversation. I'm grateful for my standing desk because I sit all day and I, I get to do that. I'm grateful for the cold brew that I took the time to make last night that's in the cup next to me, right? It can, you start to be able to, again, reframe really quickly right in the moment. You shift your energy. You can't hold negative and positive thoughts at the same time. Then when you go back to what it is that you're frustrated with, you have a different perspective. Wow. I love it. I love that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a powerful rephrase. And you, you mentioned that when you're practicing your journaling, your, sorry, your gratitude journaling, that you should write down why you feel gratitude for, for, for the different things you've listed. So can yes. you explain why that is such an important part of the practice? Yeah. So um, we want to understand why something has an impact on us. And so just like I said, I'm grateful for the sun streaming in because... When I feel that heat on my back, I feel grounded. Right. Right. Oh, I like feeling grounded. Let me stand in that space again intentionally when I don't feel grounded. Right. You can right. then seek those experiences again because you understand why they happen. Well, so there's a, there's a big self-awareness piece in this then. In the sense Huge. That you can then create those, as you said, you can create those experiences again to get back to those feelings that you're enjoying in the first place. Absolutely. That's powerful. That's, I love that. <laughs> that's, really, that's, that's so empowering. And I'd love to explore how, how gratitude, how gratitude earning, how does that make you braver and more courageous? I'm and glad you asked that question. And nobody's ever asked me that question in that way because having a healthier, well-rounded life, because taking the time to put yourself at the center of your life and have trust, self-trust, self-compassion, self-love is really freaking brave because we live in a global society where we're constantly giving and giving and giving. And we are constantly told to be selfless and to make sacrifices and to do it for somebody else and to work harder. And when you put yourself first, it's brave. But here's the coolest thing about that. When you put yourself first, you show up better for everyone else in your life. When you take the time to journal, to have a gratitude practice, 
to schedule, to reassess, to work on your limiting voices, you show up better in the world. You're a better parent. You're a better coworker. You're a better business owner. You're a better author. It doesn't matter what you're doing because you are a whole authentic person presenting into the world instead of just fragments. Wow. So actually this notion of being like selfless, and you think that is the best version of you, where who you're saying that actually isn't like it's so not. When you invest it's so in not. and actually discovers their best self. I mean, it's the oxygen mask effect, right? Like you get on an airplane and they say in the instance that there's a, a an issue, put your oxygen mask on before you put it on your kids. Because if you pass out, if you break down, you can't help anybody else. You can't serve clients. You can't serve your community. You can't take care of your family. Um, so if you actually want to do all of those things, taking care of yourself has to be paramount. Also, taking care of yourself is brave. And brave, brave, brave. I love that. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's very generous in what you've been sharing. And for all the people out there who are curious to learn more about you, what are you working on right now? Where can they find you? Oh, I, I thank you for asking. I'm so easy to find that my children think I'm a celebrity because you can put Heather Vickery into Google and my picture pops up. It's just good SEO. <laughs> but um, my website is vickeryandco.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Vickery and Co. My podcast, which we actually haven't talked about, I'd love to have you all check it out, is called The Brave Files. And um, it's an extension of the work I do. It's not a business podcast, but we interview people. I interview people who have stepped out of fear and into bravery in every possible way. So all of the things we've been talking about in this conversation from I'm afraid of heights, but I went up in a hot air balloon to when I grew up, there were rats in my house. And so the first time I touched a cat was the bravest thing I've ever done because she was afraid of animals to really heartbreaking things. Like I, he carried my deceased child down the stairs because the body bag they brought was not big enough. I mean, we're, we run the gamut, but what we have in common for every conversation is we talk about how we're brave. We talk about celebration. How do we celebrate things and why celebration matters? We bring community and charity into it. And it's always uplifting and inspiring and engaging, and it will just help you reframe how you want to move through your life in just really one fun way. So check that out anywhere you enjoy podcasts, the Brave Files podcast. Um, really proud of the work we're doing there. Awesome. We'll, we'll include all those links in the show notes. And I love that you talked about the podcast there because that just takes us back to what you were saying about how bravery is, is this personal definition. You get to choose what brave means to you. So I love the idea of being able to check out other people's examples. So you, you get inspired yeah. by what people have done to step out of their comfort zone and, and do the Absolutely. Things. Absolutely. Bravery is contagious. Bravery is contagious. I love that. Bravery is <laughs> contagious. You're right. And so Heather, just to finish off, I always ask my guests to share a journaling prompt with our audience. So if you could give our listeners something that they can journal about to help them be brave or, or more grateful, what, what would your prompt be? Yeah, I love that question. And I would say to journal on something that was very difficult in your life that turned out to be a hidden gift. What happened in your life that you thought was the bottom falling out but turned out to be a good thing? That's a that's an amazing question. 
So everyone, <laughs> there'll be a journey prompt for you to download also in the show notes so you can you can get writing with Heather's Heather's um Heather's prompt. And what is the benefit, Heather, of because I'm I'm curious now that you've, that you've <laughs> <laughs> what is the benefit of being able to turn something really challenging and, and recognize the gift and that how can how why is that a useful thing to do? Yeah. Well when you've done that, you have then found the gratitude in the challenge. You found the lesson. And when you found the lesson, you are stronger and more in control and more empowered to implement that lesson. Then you know what you don't want to do again, or you can surprise yourself and discover how much stronger and braver you were than you realized you were. Um, or habits or patterns that got you through it that you're like, whoa, I, I would benefit from doing that more regularly or not. Oh, that was really tough. I never want to do that like that again, right? So you learn so much about yourself and then you have an opportunity to take that and create change and shift as you move forward. I love that. So everyone, make sure you do this journey prompt as you just heard Heather explain, you're going to get something really valuable out of diving into that. So um, this is a wrap for this week's episode. Heather, thank you so much for joining me. I've just so loved having this conversation with you, hearing about your amazing work and your insights and your philosophies. And um, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. You very soon on another episode. Take care.